friends, and welcome to my Heart to Heart podcast. I am your host, Kathy Jo Hart. I am a Christian speaker and author of God's Chosen Helper. Our focus is to discuss the hot topics of the day and how it relates to the Bible and the lessons through the love of Christ. Today, I am going to continue looking at biblical principles and values used to formulate the governing documents of the United States with a closer look at the 1844 U.S. Supreme Court case that set the stage for religious liberty, the rise of the anti-God movement, and what we can do as Christians within constitutional guidelines to bring these biblical principles back into the schools and our society. In our last episode, we spoke about the biblical principles and values that have shaped our country and how Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, James Madison, and the vast majority of the Founding Fathers all agreed the greatest threat to a free nation was a godless society. They knew the only way government could restrain a godless people from destroying and devouring one another, you know, like corruption, murder, stealing, contempt for truth, was to remove freedoms and liberties and become a tyrannical police state where every movement, every thought, every decision would be decided by the government. Even John Adams wrote about the ineffectiveness of the Constitution in a godless society with, quote, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. But first, we're going to begin with a U.S. Supreme Court case in 1844 that set the stage for religious liberty. The case was Vidal versus Girard's executors. Stephen Girard, a wealthy French immigrant, died and left his estate worth over $7 million to be used to start an orphanage and school for boys, with the stipulation that the school would not teach the Bible. Now, let's set the stage for this controversial case to understand what was happening in the culture at that time. As American values of freedom gained momentum, so did the desire of many Europeans to live in America. They came to America along with their different religious denominations. With the promise of freedom, many Europeans settled in New York and Philadelphia. The religious battles between the Catholics and the Protestants in Ireland and England came to the United States too. New challenges between the American value system and the hierarchy of the Catholic Church came to a boil when the Irish Catholics demanded the Catholic Bible be taught in the public schools instead of the Protestant Bible. Clashes between the two turned into violent riots. Mr. Gerard did not want the distraction of the Bible to interfere with the orphanage for boys. As stated in his will, Mr. Gerard wanted Christian morals and values taught in the school, but in a non-sectarian way. 
Crucial to his demand was the idea that a layperson be able to teach without the necessity of a priest or other clergy. The Supreme Court justices ruled that Christianity is essential to society. They believed that, quote, the government must have an alliance with religion to some extent and that Christianity is indispensable to the true interests and solid foundations of all free governments and that the Holy Bible is essential in the required teaching of Christian moral principles. They agreed with Mr. Gerard that teaching Christian morals and values should be done in a non-sectarian manner and that the government needed to accommodate religion without violating the rights of conscience. It was American minister Reverend Jasper Adams' 1833 sermon that influenced the Supreme Court justices as well as John Adams and James Madison called The Relation of Christianity to Civil Governments in the United States. He wrote, quote, Christian religion is indispensable to social order and national prosperity. Although Reverend Jasper Adams opposed the establishment of a state church, he believed a Christian ethic should form all civil, legal, and political institutions. Reverend Jasper Adams also predicted the emergence of a dominant secular culture and the inevitable conflict with the religious Christian establishment. To paraphrase Reverend Adams, he saw that the government could either govern by force through the rod of arbitrary sway or by established religious moral values. And biblical scripture also talked about a secular society. In Romans chapter 1, verses 21 to 23, it says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. From 1844 to 1963, the U.S. government remained neutral toward prayer and the reciting of the Bible in public schools. But in 1963, this ruling changed. School-sponsored prayer and biblical scripture readings were deemed unconstitutional and was eliminated from public schools. What it did not eliminate, however, was studying the Bible as a historic textbook. It was Justice Arthur Goldberg, one of five liberal judges on the Supreme Court upon the 1963 ruling warned against extreme interpretation of government neutrality on religions becoming a brooding and pervasive devotion to the secular and a passive or even active hostility to the religions. But it was the extension of this ruling that changed the use of the Bible in schools. 
but it didn't come through the courts. It was the unconstitutional decision made by who? The Department of Education in 1999 that stated, quote, Teachers may not use the Bible or any other religious text as a moral authority or as the sole basis for teaching history, law, ethics, comparative religion, or any other subject, end quote. Up until this decision by the Department of Education, every ethical standard and laws were based upon the common law of Christian principles and values since the inception of the United States of America that was upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1844. Don't you think this would have been a very important historical lesson when teaching American law and ethics? With the elimination of teaching the Bible, it eliminated the standards used since the founding of the United States for civics, ethics, and law. And just think about that. It wasn't the U.S. Supreme Court that ended the teaching of the Bible as a historical textbook. That ruling only ended the requirement of reciting the Bible or of Bible verses in school. It was the Department of Education using its unconstitutional authority that eliminated the Bible, hence supporting the extreme interpretation of government neutrality on religions becoming a brooding and pervasive devotion to the secular and a passive and in this case, even active hostility to the religions that Justice Arthur Goldberg warned us about. And the Supreme Court justices should have heeded his warning. Look at where we are today. Once the Supreme Court ruled against the prior ruling of the common law of Christian morals and values being essential for our society governed by the U.S. Constitution, the hostilities towards religion created an anti-God movement and the counterculture rebellion began. By 1969, the anti-God movement created the Church of Satan. Its founder was a disillusioned musician and political activist named Anton Levy. He authored the Satanic Bible based upon his own worldview opinion, which was his opposition to the Bible. He used his creative talents to create a political satire satanic movement. This was his personal and deliberate attack on Judeo-Christian values and principles. Although the Satanic Church grew in popularity, it was disorganized and lost its zeal upon Anton Levy's death. By 2013, two men who used fake personas established a new anti-God political movement called the Satanic Temple. The two men tapped into the growing secular movement and made a religion out of secularism, but this religion would have no deity, 
or at least this was their claim. But proof isn't in their words, but through their actions. The Satanic Temple uses Baphomet as their religious symbol. This organization's sole purpose is to place politics into the world of religion to compete against society's belief in God. Their first target was the removal of the Ten Commandments on government property. Their actions have used their religious status to mock other religions. Even though they say they do not believe in God or Satan, they use the deception of Satan to promote their political ideologies. Their mission is to keep God out of all government influence. Wherever Christianity is, there they will be as a contradiction and mockery of Christian beliefs and values. Welcome to the atheistic worldview promoting confusion and conflicts in the name of secular humanism, where self-indulgence is now considered a virtue and selfish pride is the standard measurement between good and evil and right and wrong. This is the perfect world Satan has tried to establish since the introduction of the serpent in the Garden of Eden in Genesis. And what influence has this anti-God movement had on our society? Higher rates of anxiety, of depression, anger, confusion, chaos, division, destruction of the family unit, and suicide. Self-indulgence, pride, science, sexual orientation, social experiments, and other hypersensitive cultural groupthink ideologies are powerless to satisfy the soul. Our world is lost without God. Without God, there can be no absolute truth. There are absolute truths that never change, such as sunrises and sunsets, gravity, we breathe in oxygen and exhale carbon dioxide, male and female, and death. But our society is demanding cultural changes to these absolute truths. If a godless society can convince children they should hate their bodies and they can be any mythical gender they choose, then they can also determine that sunset is the new sunrise just to keep children in darkness away from the light. You don't think this won't happen? Five years ago, everyone defined a woman as an adult female. Now, if you do not agree with their undefined definition of what it is to be a woman, you are considered a threat to humanity. We already have legislation in the works in 10 states that wants to criminalize the use of words if it makes a person feel threatened. This is a slippery slope law that I believe is designed to eventually undermine the First Amendment. And as George Orwell wrote in his dystopian novel, 
that examines ways in which facts and truths can be manipulated in a totalitarian state by writing political language is designed to make lies sound truthful and murder respectable and to give an appearance of solidity to pure wind. Without God, then Satan's evil deception can target and reward evil, keep society in constant chaos, eliminate forgiveness, destroy families and relationships, all in order to capture all the lost souls. When you move away from God, evil will fill the void. We are in a dangerous time with current culture's cold-hearted belief of devaluing women and mothering, devaluing human life and dignity, rebelling against and rejecting God and the civilized, societal, and biblical traditions of the family and home. Human nature itself is indifferent and selfish and is based on an ill-tempered ego. And now we are seeing the haunting warnings by Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, and James Madison coming true. The greatest threat to a free nation is a godless society. And it is here disguised as the state-sponsored religion of politics. And let us look at godlessness in this way. Without absolute authority and absolute truth, there can be no unity of people with differences. God's truth is oneness with purpose. If there is no truth, it is inherently impossible to have unity. To have an objective truth, truth must live outside of the self. A godless culture, however, encourages individual truth. Our culture today promotes that one's value, one's truth, supersedes another's value and truth, so much so that if you do not believe in their truth, they can destroy you. This is the ultimate power of allowing peer pressure to guide and mandate subjective truths. This self-indulgent truth can dictate that they are entitled to receive what they want when they want it. There is no unity. If Satan can keep culture from God's truth, he can break up and divide unity. If Satan divides people, he can keep God away. But here is the truth about unity. It doesn't mean that everyone must be the same. Unity requires everyone to be going in the same direction. God created differences on purpose. And we will be expanding on this in our next podcast, so make sure you subscribe so you won't miss it. 
So the real question is, how do we reestablish Christian values in our schools and government? It begins with Christ in the home, raising children in a secure environment means both parents are in the home. Teaching Christian values such as love, respect, self-control, patience, kindness, gentleness, forgiveness, gratitude, peace, and joy. This is the spiritual fruit that is the true freedom we will find in Jesus Christ. And churches need to go back to the basics of Scripture. The church is supposed to be the rock foundation of Jesus Christ. The church needs to understand we are fighting a spiritual war that requires believers to be Christian soldiers active in spiritual warfare. Jesus provided his followers with both authority and power to deal with the enemy through the Holy Spirit. But how many actually know how? Churches have allowed secular peer pressure to interfere with teaching about who the enemy is and how spiritual weaponry and strength is used to fight against the enemy. Instead, churches are ignoring the tough issues of sin, which allow Satan to go undetected and unchallenged. And churches need to get back to the ministries that Jesus performed, such as preaching teaching, healing, and deliverance. And keep in mind that the devil is now within the church and is disguised as an obsession with false doctrine. And this is also directed to those who believe in limiting spiritual gifting of women and children. It is up to God who receives spiritual gifts and not man. It is the church's responsibility to help mentor these developing gifts to reduce the temptation of false teachings and misapplied scripture readings. This is the true role of the church. The churches need to turn away from its sins and to humble itself before God. Although we are all sinners, churches should not promote sin by flying the rainbow flag no more than they would fly a scarlet letter A flag. Believers need to focus on the education of biblical principles and values that have created our ethics over the past 2,000 years for a civilized society. This needs to be taught in the home, in the church, and in our communities. As we learned, the Bible was removed from public schools by the Department of Education. With this knowledge, we should be able to bring back the Bible into the schools as a historical textbook to teach the values that created American ethics and laws. Elections and civic duty should include every Christian who values freedom and liberty. Christians need to get involved in the political process and vote. 
get involved in school board elections. Local elections are just as important as national elections. We need to get rid of social media, which is a lure for misinformation. Stop watching opinion-based cable news programs. Stop buying smartphones for children. A flip phone will eliminate online obsessive behaviors and it will eliminate online bullying. And finally, we need to place hope back with God and not with social or government programs. We need to focus on our spiritual health. We need to be vocal in our Christian faith and our praise of God. Silence is not a virtue. Silence is exactly what the enemy wants. Silence is the result of a fearful Christian, and fear is exactly what Satan desires. We need to go back to the 1844 Supreme Court definition of common law founded on God's moral absolutes. We should no longer base morals on human opinion or sociological standards. These are arbitrary, continuously changing depending upon the whim of whomever is in power. As stated by humanist author Jean-Jacques Rousseau, whose novels and political essays inspired the leaders of the French Revolution and is known for his contributions to the modern political framework in his essay, The Social Contract, said, You need someone outside of the world system to provide a moral basis for law. And it was the human opinions of the Supreme Court justices in 1963 that created the politically driven ideology that ultimately became the state-sponsored religion of politics, based completely on the highest authority of the king of human will. In the case of the Founding Fathers, they didn't want a government like the one in England where moral laws and religion were at the will of the king. Their belief was that even the king was under God's laws. With the Establishment Clause, promotion of the separation of church and state was meant to keep a balance of power and to keep each other in check to prevent one becoming a powerhouse over the other. The strength of both church and state kept each in check from their potential abuse of power. Now there is only the state, which we have seen a rapid expansion of an unbalanced political power, now trying to eliminate God altogether. The opposition to Judeo-Christian values competes against God, and without God's standard of authority, has allowed itself to create, manipulate, and mold modern cultures to their own undefined shifting standards. So now that we have experienced the dangers and repercussions of a godless society, we need to reestablish the checks and balances missing since 1962. 
We need to reestablish the unanimous Supreme Court ruling in 1844 that stated the government must have an alliance with religion to some extent and that Christianity is indispensable to the true interests and solid foundations of all free governments. Time is of the essence, as we have seen how quickly freedoms and liberties can be taken away. We have the power and authority to bring these changes about. Only God can heal our country and our world. And it begins with standing firm on the word of God. This not only begins with me, but ultimately, it begins with you, too. In God we trust. Amen.